Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of life with IBD. We will hopefully make you laugh, cry, and probably speechless, like Sarah is most of the time when I'm telling my stories. Welcome to episode four of Pop to the Lou. It's five. <laughs> right. That one more time. Welcome <laughs> to episode five of Pop to the Loo. We are clearly still working on the professional aspect of this podcast, but I do feel like we're getting better. We are getting better week by week. So, since we've had a few episodes out now, we've been getting some questions from everybody, and one of them being how we met, which we haven't actually talked about yet. So we'll cover that today, along with a few other questions that we've received. But first, shall we do a mind and gut check-in? And before you say anything, because I know what you're going to say, I'm just going to do mine first, because I feel like if you do yours first, then I'm going to feel guilty <laughs> for having a good check-in. Overall, I've been feeling quite fine. <laughs> I um, I've been sticking to my more or less sticking to my plain diet. I've been slowly eating a bit more vegetables, a bit more fruit, but really focusing on protein and low fiber carbs, which always works for me and fat, of course, I love avocado. And other than that, I feel like some stress has been lifted. I'm not sure why, because I still have so much on my plate, but I do feel like I can breathe for a second, which is a really, really good much needed feeling. It's been a good week. I'm feeling quite good. Your turn. <laughs> well, well, well. Lucky you, sir. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have had COVID, so I've had a pretty shit week to be honest. I've just been in a sweat ball and hair matted mess basically. Um I think you can probably still tell by my voice. I'm still kind of getting there. Luckily, I'm all right with my own company. So I've been chilling on my, on my lonesome. I think the thing that like knocked me a bit for six was the, um, the lack of taste and smell. I really did not enjoy that at all. I was really lucky though. I only had it for a week, but it was really fucking with my bacon sarnies in the morning. <laughs> for anyone that's not English, she means a bacon sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. I love my bacon butties in the morning and um not smelling or tasting that was just really rubbish um but yeah no I'm all right I um I literally just had COVID so I've been pretty ill but manageable so that's all good and I just my stomach was really bad like halfway through COVID and I think it was just a combination of I never take painkillers so I was just drinking loads of lem sips and like necking cough syrup and like, I just think my stomach was like, dude, what is this stuff that you're ramming down your throat? And um, yeah, and I was eating loads of fruit because I really, really craved it when I was ill. And so I think the combination of like loads of acidic fruit, loads of painkillers was just, yeah, just not good, uh -huh. not a good look for me. So um, yeah, so halfway through, I was pretty unwell for a couple of days, but with my Crohn's, but you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? 
but yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better now. I've put some makeup on for you, Sarah. I've, I've washed and blow dried my hair for you as well. You hope you feel, hope you feel special. Put some lipstick on. Can you believe it? I feel very special. <laughs> Honestly, I was quite worried about you because you sounded like death for a good week. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Well, you know, Sarah, like I could, I wasn't able to wash for like days. I mean, I only, I only, if you remember, <laughs> I only ran a bath in the end because I had some like weird rash on my ass. <laughs> and I basically thought I've led in my own sweat for so long aka my onesie ofs and I was just thinking maybe I'm just like reacting to my own grossness so that's why I eventually ran a bath like five days in because I genuinely couldn't get up I couldn't have stood up for a shower and I couldn't have gotten in my bath I felt so rough so yeah, it was only when I got that weird ass rash that I was like, right, okay, shit's getting real. How's your head been? How's your mind? Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. I think again, I think it's, I'm really lucky. Like I'm used to living on my own um, and have done for a very long time. And I'm, yeah, I'm quite content being on my own. So I sound like such a misery gut, so I. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I, again, I think if you're not used to being on your own, you don't like your own company and you don't keep yourself busy. I think that that kind of self-isolation can be a bit difficult. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually quite enjoyed it, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, should we finally tell everybody how we know each other? Because I feel like there's been a bit of a buildup and people are going to expect a really great story, but it's really, really boring. Quite, yeah. <laughs> So we met through a mutual friend that introduced us and we've mentioned him in a podcast before about South Africa, um, Sam, who Cassie, you went to university, I almost said high school. Um, You went to university together? Yeah. So Sam and I met first year university. So we've been buddies since we were 18. I love Sam to death. One of my closest mates. Um, But annoyingly he claims that the only reason I got a degree was because of him you know half of that's probably true but yeah (laughs) Sam basically made me revise he basically used to pick me up and take me to the library however bad my hangover was however much abuse I was giving him um but yeah he claims that I wouldn't have graduated if it wasn't for him and annoyingly at my actual graduation my mum hugged him in front of me and thanked him and I was like I'm standing right here like he didn't sit my exams for me or write my dissertation (laughs) like I did do something so yeah so mother and Samuel both think that without Sam um I wouldn't have got a degree and what do you think I mean he was helpful (laughs) 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 I mean we've got a love him yeah, he is a bit of a nerd. He's not even a nerd, though. He just is incredibly intelligent, and it's frustrating. He's because... annoyingly intelligent. Yeah, it's even, unfair. Even about the... Do you know what the most annoying thing is about Sam? Is that you think... Like, for example, I've worked in healthcare for 14 years. So I like to think that I know more than anyone else about healthcare. I mean, out of my friends, by the way, not clinicians or anything. But... 
even with healthcare, like I'll start a debate because I think, yeah, I've got this man. I got this locked down. And um, Sam will just have like loads of stats and I'll be like, bollocks. <laughs> Cause he like remembers everything. He's just everything. one of those people that it's, it's just a natural intelligence and memory. Yeah. Yeah. I do miss debating with him though. We really uh, some really good debate. <laughs> so wind him up a little bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like we spent most of our time together debating and cooking. But yeah, cooking so well. he is really good. And then I met Sam obviously whilst I was living in London and we became good friends. And apparently I say literally a lot, um, according to him. And he's like, oh, I have another friend. And she says it all the time too. You two should be friends. Ta-da! And then, <laughs> and then he uh, started a WhatsApp group called Literally Literally. And, and left it straight away. Yeah, <laughs> he put us in it and then left it. And then, yeah, I think I was, I was traveling in and out of London with work and everything else at that time. And one of my trips back to London, we went for breakfast, just the two of us. He didn't even come. And just kind of hit it off and stayed in touch ever since. And the love affair started there. So it was three years ago. Yeah, nearly Um, four. Feels like 40. Absolutely. Although I'm not that old, but yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I'm I'm making it sound worse than it is. Right. So I think we had a few other questions. Um, Another question was how we manage, and this is a good one for you, babe is managing having IBD and playing sports or being athletic. I, w- I played loads of sport at school. So I played in like all the teams and I also played golf um, at school. I played golf from the age of three. So I was playing for county quite young um, and it literally took up like my personal life. So I was playing sport loads when I was really, really sick. Um, and I reckon the best advice I could give at that time was I obviously had my liquid diet that I had to go on when I was really, really sick originally. But when I was having flare ups, I'd go back on the ensures so that I could play sport. And I think that's probably the main advice I would give if you're chronically unwell and you really want to either compete because it's really horrible when you for people out there who listen who are really really sporty and you actually compete properly you want to keep on going because it's really important like to you and it's it's part of your identity and it's it you know it's your it's your social time as well it's really really important for me so I think I got through those days literally by drinking Ensures loads and loads of water and just carrying on Um, but I was really really conscious that at that time I couldn't eat a lot of solid food and obviously we know like we athletes and, and people that love sport, we need really good nutrition to be able to be effective um, sportsmen or sportswomen. So for me, it was a liquid diet. Um, and that's what really, really helped me at the time. Now, um, so I haven't trained much in the last couple of months, but usually I really enjoy running. I really enjoy doing weights. I do really enjoy going to the gym haven't done in ages though it's usually when I'm in a bit more of a better routine um and like I said on I think a previous podcast I've I've just been working loads of hours so I haven't really been incorporating it much recently but I think in relation to managing my symptoms and working out it's it's making sure you're doing 
doing sport relative to how you're feeling and I think that's really important so for example if you're really fatigued like we we generally get through our IBD don't do anything too strenuous don't go on a 5k run don't do anything like that maybe do some yoga maybe do some pilates maybe just do a hit workout at home like a seven minute app or something like that and i think it's really important to know that just to not push yourself too much but still incorporate something into your day because i think it's really easy not to do that um, and you get into a bad cycle of not doing something and i think if we we all know listening that actually when we do exercise and activity it does make us feel better and actually like the health benefits across the board are just incredible and it does in the long run really really help with our IBD um, so I would always recommend that but just listen to your body like don't push yourself too much because we know if we push ourselves too much long term wise it will just come back at us won't it and it'll be counterproductive that's a really good point about making sure you get enough nutrition because it can be hard to get nutrition from whole foods when you're on a limited diet. So having something like Insure and there's different meal supplements and meal replacers, depending on your diet limitations, but having something like that, I think makes a big difference. And yeah, I mean, I'm quite restrictive, which I think I said before in doing high intensity cardio, like it just does not agree with me whatsoever, but I've managed to try out different things and I find I do really well on reformer Pilates. Um, that's by far my favorite activity. activity no, Pilates is amazing for you. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And weight training as well. Just knowing what works for your body. And sometimes it takes a bit of trial and error, but finding your thing that you can be active because maybe previously, like previously, I, I used to love going to spin classes and just sweating, getting your heart rate up. Like I used to go with a girlfriend multiple times a week. And then since being diagnosed, it just sounds like the worst thing I could imagine. <laughs> so just kind of having a look at what works for my body now versus how I used to be able to do things before. Yeah, definitely. Well, and there's nothing worse, like you said, being at a spin class or like doing an activity with someone else when you're not feeling well as well. Brilliant. Another question that we've gotten is how you and I managed to travel as much as we did pre-2020 because we've, we've done a bit of traveling. I mean, never enough, but we've managed to do some over the years. Do you have anything, any tips, tricks, ideas? of how So my IBD has not stopped me from traveling anywhere. So I have done kind of two types of traveling. So one with my backpack where I've gone you know, and stayed in 16 bed hostels, which is, I know your worst nightmare, Sarah. Literally about to say that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could have never, um, never. I'll just take you on a tour of one once just to show you around. Um, yeah, so I've I've done like the old school traveling and and yeah, absolutely loved it and 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 trekked around and, and done that sort of stuff. And then I've done the, you know, what do they call it? The, um, what do they call it when you do like posh traveling? I can't remember what it's called now. My lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you stay in really nice hotels, but anyway, whatever. Um, so I've done, traveling. I've done kind of both. Um, I obviously did the, the backpack hostel traveling when I was a lot younger and could deal with being in 16 bed dorms, you know, covered in bed bugs and pubes and stuff, but whatever, that's a, another podcast. <laughs> your face I'm gonna have, going to have nightmares 
um so yeah my main advice is carry on say say put those um countries on your list of what you want to do and depending on how unwell you are be realistic about where you can go I think it's really important to make sure you're traveling to places that have healthcare, like good healthcare um, places, just in case you're unwell. If you are at early stages or you're having a flare up, for example, I know people wouldn't tend to travel if they're having a flare up or when they're newly diagnosed, but you know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't recommend going to countries where it might be difficult to access healthcare if you're not very well. Um, So be really, really mindful of that. I've been really fortunate that I've probably been in in good places when I've traveled um, and been really mindful of that. Um, I've been ill when I've been abroad. Again, I haven't had to um, access hospitals or anything like that. So that's been good. I've I've been able to manage my symptoms myself. Um, But just to be really, really mindful of where you're going and to be mindful of whether you can get healthcare. Because some places, if you, especially if you're going off with a backpack and you want to go and trek through the jungles and things like that, um, you might not have access to healthcare. So that's really, really important. Um, the things that I always take when I'm traveling, whether it's with my rucksack or a nice fancy suitcase like Sarah has as well. <laughs> um, so there's, the, the, there's three things for me that I always take, um, which are really important. So are tea bags. I always take green and peppermint tea um, because for me, they are just like just gut saviors. Like if you're having those days where you can't eat, like for me, green tea and peppermint tea just saves my life, literally. Um, drinking them with a load of water just keeps me absolutely sweet. And I, I, I tend to drink a lot of tea on planes as well. Um, it just, yeah, keeps me going a bit and loads of water basically ready for the trip. Um, I usually take some snacks with me. So again, depending on where you're traveling. So obviously if you're going to like Oz or, um, you know, like places like Singapore and uh, America and, and Canada, which are, are particular places I, I love to travel, you're, you're fine getting snacks over there. But I'm thinking of like when I've, I've traveled like depths of Southeast Asia, I will take like kind of gluten-free oat cakes and pretzels and things like that just to keep myself going for the first week or something, just to get my stomach a bit used to everything going on out there. Um, and then the third and final thing that I always take um, are cucumber facial wipes. <laughs> you sound very excited about these. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone with an IVD, I suggest you Google these things. So cucumber facial wipes, they are just incredible they're just these soothing you can tell how excited I am staring my face these soothing facial wipes but guys you know I don't use these on my face (laughs) I feel like there's a story to come there's always a story so these cucumber facial wipes okay so everyone with IBD out there knows if you're having a flare-up or a really 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 bad day you know there's a point where you cannot use toilet roll anymore. You all know this. You all know this out there, right? So there is a time where toilet roll is no longer, people, because your butt is so sore. So cucumber facial wipes are actually awesome for that point. So I've been in Southeast Asia many a times traveling and had the worst shits. 
and these cucumber facial wipes have saved me and my butthole so yeah I've been at that point where I can't use toilet roll anymore so me and my friend that I used to travel with loads one of my guy friends we used to call it the dab <laughs> so you just... it sounds like a dance yeah <laughs> I feel like it is a dance <laughs> and I would just dab my butthole with these um cucumber facial wipes because literally it would get to that point where like oh it would just be so 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 um painful to poo so I would just use these cucumber facial wipes and they were amazing but my one of my guy friends that I used to travel with he used to go mad at me so you know how I love texting people off the loo so yes I do I do know that very well <laughs> I love texting people when I got the shit so I just like to keep everyone informed <laughs> so when when I used to travel with my buddy in Southeast Asia I used to <laughs> this is so gross if I used to want to talk to him while I had the shit, because I'd be on the loop for so long, I'd be like, dude, let's chat. Because <laughs> this is back in the day as well, where you like you didn't like text people from like Indonesia because it would cost a fucking fortune. So, and I think when we first started going, I swear we didn't have WhatsApp. This is back in the day. But I'll never forget one time when I was in Bali and I was on the loop for so long. I was like, oh, screw this. I'm going to open the door. <laughs> so I had the door open and I was dabbing my butt with the cucumber facial wipes. And I'd never forget. My mate was like sat on the bed, like obviously ignoring me, just like, oh, for God's sake, Cass, can you hurry up? I do actually want to make it out for dinner tonight. And I remember there was a, a mirror on the wall because we were in a little bit more of a fancy hostel there's a mirror on the wall so basically he could actually see me on the toilet and he was like this is going out of hand now Cass <laughs> the boundaries need to be reset <laughs> and I basically was just like I'm dabbing my butt he was like I can see you and I was like chatting away and he was like stop making eye contact with me <laughs> um but yeah so shout out to my buddy you know who you are I won't name and shame you but um yeah so cucumber facial wipes are amazing um I can just yeah they're awesome you can see my face I'm so happy about talking you about are them. very excited about these um to be fair he could have looked away so <laughs> But yeah, back to the how do you travel? I'll stop talking ah, about yes. my, my butthole on fire. Travel is really good for the soul. Like travel is amazing to, to, to meet new people and experience new things. And, and actually travel is an amazing distraction from your IBD. Like incredible. Um, like my traveling is just been the most important part of my life so far. And um, yeah, I would just, I would just encourage anyone to do it. And basically like, if you, if you feel like you can't travel abroad, which I know a lot of people can't do for various reasons, it might not be to do with IBD. It might be to do with finance, might be to do with this bloody pandemic, et cetera. Like try and explore different places in your home country. Like, you know, our countries are incredible and there's always so many, so many amazing places to visit. Um, I know loads of people in the UK have realized like how many awesome places there are to visit because they've had to do staycations, for example, during COVID. And I think quite a lot of people have fallen back in love with their home countries because they've had to. Um, so when I say travel as well, like it's not just, you know, going the other side of the world, it's, it's 
it's being able to travel within your own country too and exploring and doing different things and meeting new people again so I think yeah prepare everything take any anything you need that you know is going to be really important to manage your IBD I just I'm a big believer in tea snacks and cucumber facial wipes that's helped me along the way what about you Sarah? I think it's really about knowing your body and sometimes you have to make that compromise and you'll know that okay traveling to whatever country I'm probably just going to stick to the rice and protein diet and that's how it is but you get to experience that country and see things and do things um, to make the most of it so I think it's knowing your body and being in tune with it and then also like taking breaks when you need to you don't traveling is really really tough on your body um for healthy people (laughs) let alone anyone else especially when you're doing quite long distance travel um for myself I've done god knows how many flights of like up to 17 hour flights and it wears on you so being able to take a day or two and rest and sleep as much as possible on the plane I always find that helps me and I, I just don't overthink it. Like I don't, I think it's being prepared, but then also not panicking because at the end of the day, make sure you have travel insurance and you can get home if something horrible does happen. But I think it's just not, not stressing to me um, versus the risks when it comes to traveling. Um, the benefits have just always outweighed anything else I find traveling is the only way I know how to get back in tune with myself and how to heal from things if I experience anything the first like anything negative the first thing I want to do is travel and whilst some people say it's me running away from my problems I think it's me putting life back into perspective because I I find it so peaceful to be in a plane looking down on the world and remembering how small everything is and therefore how small your problems are and being in a new culture and around people you have no idea and it's that feeling of experiencing everyday things for the very first time so I'm sure if you live in a house you walk up and down the stairs countless times a day and it's just boring and you don't think about it and then you go to France and you're walking up and down these gorgeous stairs that it just looks stunning and suddenly it's an exciting adventure so I think for me, travel just brings me back to myself, even though I'm constantly doing it to get over negative things that happen in my life. It's the only way I've learned how to heal from things. And I think it really did help me heal through the experiences of IBD because I was just brought back to the moment when I'm out on the ocean on a yacht or <laughs> in an airplane. Private <laughs> airplane. Country. <laughs> yeah. When the rest of us are sat in coach. But that's the time that I am more in awe of the world and therefore more appreciative, more grateful, and everything just somehow goes back into perspective for me. Definitely. Definitely. I completely, well, you and I have the exact same opinion on traveling and and why we do it. So, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's a medicine for your soul. Um, one of the other questions we got is about corporate life. So I guess having careers and having IBD, which I think is really tough. Um, yeah. What do you have to say about it, babe, before I ramble on? Yeah. So, I mean, both you and I have worked from a super young age, haven't we? And my, my mum 
swears blind that one of the reasons um, that I've managed my IBD like I have, in her opinion, is because I've worked from a young age, work and sport, she, she swears by. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like, like I've said, I've worked in healthcare for 14 years now. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a stressful sector to work in, especially in the last two years. <laughs> really? It's been yeah. testing people, uh, still smiling. Um, and I think, yeah, I think again, I'd probably give the same advice, um, that I give with traveling, like whatever you want to do career wise, go for it. Um, it, it might take you a little bit longer to get to a point. Um, compared to someone without an IBD, for example, it might not. Um, and again, I think work and your career and a, a vacation or whatever you do um, offers distraction, it offers fulfillment, it offers purpose. Um, and I think it's really, really important to um, and have those kind of goals of, of what you want to achieve from a career perspective and not um, feel that you can't do that because you've got an IBD. And again, it's difficult, isn't it? Like we know when we've had flare-ups, we know when we're really fatigued, we know when we're not feeling very well, just in general, it can impact our working day. But again, it's knowing yourself and knowing what you need to do to make sure you can get through that day. I know, for example, if I'm really not feeling well, I know I just have to reduce the amount of foods I'm eating that day, keep it really bland, drink loads of my peppermint tea, loads of water. You and I spoke this morning, Sarah, about having protein shakes because they both they work for both of us quite well don't they is that kind of pick yeah. you up um obviously you know you can you you have your your vegan kind of protein shakes don't you Sarah? um yeah, and definitely. and I have a different one than that you have but it it always you know it's an easily digestible thing to have and I think it offers us quite a lot of nutrients and and that protein that gives us a bit of energy and healing as well and I think it's that just being mindful of, of how you're feeling that day. And we know, especially in, in the jobs that we have, we have a lot of stress as well. So it's managing that stress. And I think in relation to your career and the kind of corporate lifestyle, because both of us have, have you know, have, have done well, um, I, would, I would say that both of us have. And, and we continue to kind of educate ourselves as well and do kind of our side hustles, which we love doing. It's... Um, it's just making sure that you look after yourself as best as you possibly can, because if your nutrition's right, if you're doing activity that's really, really good for you, if you're sleeping well, you're managing that stress, you, you will be awesome at work. You, you will thrive at work. You will have that awesome career because all of those things will contribute to really good health. Um, and I think if you've got work as your distraction, that's, that's really, really important. Um, and I wouldn't ever want anyone with an IBD to think that they can't um, succeed. It's, I think it's, it's again, like we've said before, it's knowing your body, isn't it? And, and knowing your limits. So taking those breaks when you know you need to, like being mindful about the hours that you're doing. What great advice I'm giving here, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, making sure you take those breaks. Do not work until 10 p.m., Cass. And do not work every weekend, Cass. Um, yeah, it's, it's being really, really mindful and knowing your limitations and, and and you and you can do it like I've I've you know worked across the UK I've I've done um jobs where I'm I'm running services in massive regions so I'm on the road a lot 
um, in a, you know, a bit more of an unhealthy lifestyle um, because I'm driving so much and I'm staying in hotels, I'm commuting and I'm naturally probably eating a bit more crap food because of that, not drinking as much water because I'm on the motorways all the time. So I don't want to stop for a piss every five minutes. So it, it can impact your health sometimes. So it's, be, it's, it's being really mindful of what works for you as well. Um, but yeah, same advice, like go for it. You just might have to go about it in a slightly different way. Yeah, I agree. I guess two things there. So in terms of your day-to-day job and whatever that role is, like Cass said, really knowing yourself. And I knew at points that food really made me tired. Like as soon as I ate anything, my body would just shut down and I'd want to go straight to sleep. So then I learned, and I'm not recommending this, but for me, at the time when I had a lot of in-person meetings and I was running around London and getting on on and off the tube to go and see different offices um, or different clients rather, I wouldn't eat until the end of the day. So I would do intermittent fasting, which Mm -hmm. had its cons because then I end up eating more food at once and like a larger meal. But I just simply for quite a while could not eat anything and then expect to stay awake in a meeting. I I found that worked for me at the time and it got me through the days how I needed to do or got me through the days like I needed to at the time. Um, And then I I, I as well traveled quite a bit for work internationally and it was being mindful of how I planned things. So when I knew I had to fly from London to Australia to meet with clients here, I would make sure I came out a few extra days early so that I could adjust to the jet lag and rest and just kind of give my body a chance to recover from so much travel and then go into the office with the client and have, gosh, at that time I was having like 17 hour days um, throughout the week and then resting on the weekend. Um, And it was the same. I mean, going to the States and all over the place to meet with clients at the time. So yeah, just knowing what, what works for your body and explaining that if needed to your manager or boss or whoever, and hopefully they are understanding, but I do want to definitely check our privilege um, at this point in terms of career. Like we've both been lucky enough to have incredible bosses and incredible people that we work for. And we have supportive families that have helped us along the way completely. So I think we are definitely aware of that. And if you're that you're not in that position, that you have a great boss who understands or you're not making um, quite enough money to go out and start the business you want to start or anything, I would just say, don't give up hope and keep pushing for it and potentially just do something on the side that you actually are really passionate about. So if you hate your job at the moment, but they have really good healthcare and you need that healthcare, um, find other things and hobbies and interests that you can really focus on and then eventually grow that into potentially a business for yourself or finding having that experience being able to find a job in that area but I think it is really important to strive towards finding something you really enjoy doing because work is a huge part of our lives so don't give up on that it just might take a bit of time and I think I said in my previous episode I definitely feel like I've been behind in life because I had to take so many breaks and a step back from work in my career just when I was starting out. But at the same time, I've used that as motivation to work even harder and push myself even more. Again, we don't, 
podcast and I don't do it in the most healthy of ways at times, <laughs> but we're aware of it. So we're not in denial. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the last one to cover was our medication history. Is mm-hmm. that how you say it? Medica- medical history? Medical? No. Experience? Yeah. Medication? So one of our awesome buddies on Instagram asked me yesterday how we have both um, not been on meds for, for, well, I obviously haven't been on meds for about 21 years, but you've not been on meds for a few years. Well, I know you've had your Chinese medicine last year, but one of our buddies who we loved a bit, he asked us how we have gotten to a place where we don't need meds, which I thought was a really good question. Yeah. Did you want to go first, babe? I had such a bad reaction to my steroids. And again, I'm a big believer. It was probably the, the, the time in my life I had them, you know, at 13 period starting hormones all over the place. It just weren't, I just had a really bad temper on them and it wasn't manageable for my mum at the time. Um, so I'd already had quite a bad reaction to all meds. Um, and then I was on some other medications for a couple of years, um, which I then came off of with my, obviously my GP and my mother, um, you know, letting me. Um, but at this point I had researched a lot in relation to nutrition and how that could help me with my stomach and how it would make my stomach settle. Um, and kind of, I did a lot of research on, you know, bland foods and anti-inflammatory foods, et cetera, et cetera, foods good for the immune system. Um, so I think personally for me, I've been really, really fortunate. I'm really conscious that medication has its place and it's really, really important for so many people out there for physical and psychological health. But for me, um, my nutrition, um, my kind of focus on school, university, travel, career, um, sport, things like that, I think, um, enabled me not to have to take medication for my Crohn's which I know I'm so fortunate not to have to like I'm you know I am so fortunate that I really don't have to do so um but I really do think that concentrating on what I eat pretty much every day and keeping busy and keeping focused and reducing that stress and making sure I'm sleeping well loads of water loads of activity um, you know, surrounding yourself with good people that for me has helped me not have to go down the medical treatment route since I was 15. By all means, I might have to have medicine at some point, should my symptoms worsen. I'm a big believer in that. And I'm not a, I'm never going to take meds kind of girl. Um, if I need them, I will take them. They've got their place. But luckily for me at the moment, I think I've been able to Uh, kind of approach my Crohn's quite holistically with other ways of managing my symptoms so yeah so I hope that answers the question um but that's I think how I've managed to not have medication or an operation um yeah since I I I mean obviously had medication for the first couple of years but I haven't had an operation very luckily um so yeah that's that's how I think I've managed to um be medication free since I was 15. Yeah, which is great, babe. And it goes back to our last episode where we were saying how you could have somebody so similar, same age, same everything, same diagnosis, and what works for 
one person will not work for the next and it's frustrating but everybody's body is just so different so it's great that you've been able to manage it the way you have and like you said you just you have no idea and I think that's one of the unfortunate parts about IBD is you have no idea what's around the corner (laughs) literally (laughs) (laughs) you don't know if you're gonna need those cucumber facial wipes later today exactly (laughs) make sure you're stocked up (laughs) (laughs) well like you said he was asking about your kind of western versus eastern um, medication Yeah. And to be honest, I don't want to go too far into detail because I was on so many different Western medications. They, like I said, I started with pills and then it was enemas and suppositories and blood transfusions, iron infusions, biotherapy, chemotherapy, like so many different medications. And even the doctors thought that each would work and potentially they could work for you. They could definitely work for other people. And I hope they do, but my body for whatever reason was not responding to it. And over time it stopped responding to it, which is quite common. I believe when you're on biotherapy, like eventually your body adjusts to it, which I was lucky enough to find I don't even know how it came to mind. It may have been my boss, to be honest, just that asked if I had thought about trying alternative medicines. And I just looked for the best in the field who I found. Um, he's a doctor based in the UK. And I went to him. He asked quite interesting questions compared to my Western gastro doctors and team. He was asking me if I was a vaginal or c-section birth if I was breastfed or formula he looked at my tongue he took photos of my tongue and I don't completely under there's a science behind it but I don't I don't know he could see the information just from looking at my tongue Uh, he asked a bunch of questions a lot of questions actually in regards to that obviously I had already completed quite a few medical tests and biopsies and colonoscopies and everything so I brought all of my documentation to him this was over a year into my diagnosis and he gave me I think it was both I'm trying to recall the first time because I've had quite a few different doses from him but it was a liquid that I would drink twice a day before food as well as pills and I believe potentially suppositories I've definitely had suppositories from him in um, a few of the doses and by god it's the worst tasting thing you could ever imagine like (laughs) the most disgusting brown liquid (laughs) and every dose oh my god babe I can't even um each each dose like each time I get it it he alters it based on my symptoms and what's happening with my body but they always taste slightly different and just when I think it can't get any worse it does (laughs) <laughs> really does. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's honestly been my miracle, I think, in terms of letting me or keeping me stable whenever flare up starts. And I have to get on it quite quickly. So as soon as I start noticing, you, you all kind of, I would assume most people know the point of like, okay, this is getting quite serious when you're going into a flare um, for your second, third, fourth time. And so I will reach out to him and get that appointment in and get the drugs shipped to me. But it's not that they don't come with side effects. Obviously, there's risks involved. Um, As my gastro doctor told me, 
because <laughs> you're obviously taking herbs and they're going through your liver and being processed and so on and so forth. But yeah, I think the last time that I did get them, they got me stable again. And that was just over uh, about it was a year, year ago. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was about a year ago. Um, I got, how long did you take them for, sir? I couldn't finish it. I couldn't, um, because I was vomiting with them every night. So whilst they stopped my side effects or they stopped all the symptoms of ulcerative colitis, I was then up vomiting every night. So it's give and take. And that's That's great. (laughs) (laughs) You have to pick your poison. I swear to God. I don't have the shit, but I'm just vomiting my load instead. (laughs) But no, see, mine isn't the shit. It was blood. It was bleeding again. So it's like, what do I want to do? Yeah, internal sure. bleeding or vomiting my guts out. Um, I chose the vomiting <laughs> as long one. as I could. <laughs> uh, I stuck with it as long as I could, and then I just I couldn't bring myself to finish it. I think I, once the symptoms started going away, like the bleeding and everything, I was like, hmm do I want to sleep all night or do I want to be up vomiting? So yeah. Anyways, I, I think it would be quite good for us in coming episodes to have some professionals on and speak to people both from the Western medical side, as well as the Eastern and getting their opinions and hearing advances in the medical fields in terms of IBD and what's going on to kind of get a better understanding because neither Cass and I are qualified by any means to give any kind of medical advice <laughs> in any whatsoever. Shape <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we've I'm recommending before. cucumber facial wipes. <laughs> <laughs> Which for the record are not meant for your butt. So if you have any adverse side effects, do not come back to us. They are meant for your face. Um, just a little disclaimer there. <laughs> But case in point, um, we're not qualified to give any advice. So I think we'll probably look into finding people that we can bring on an interview and hear more about because I appreciate and I know the desperation that I felt looking for something that would help me. I just unfortunately don't have enough of a education in the area to give any advice. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I fully answered that I think it just really comes down to finding what works for you and not giving up on that yeah and also it's like you said before Sarah isn't it if you do go down the kind of eastern medicine route always tell your western Western medicine clinician because otherwise there could be some kind of contraindications there couldn't there you know yeah it's definitely important to be open and honest with both doctors because they, every medication has its list of side effects and it has, um, things attached to it that we may not completely understand. So I think just being completely open and honest at the end of the day, it's your decision. It's your body. However, you want both your Western and Eastern doctors, your gastro doctor and whatever kind of alternative medicine that you're taking, just being completely open and honest with that. If that means getting a lecture, then take the lecture and they probably have some valid points. So listen to them. take it in and then make the best decision for you but definitely I would not hide anything whatsoever between the doctors no and any of your medical team because that is very risky I think and I actually got a list of all of the herbal ingredients from the medication that the um 
Chinese medicine doctor was giving me and gave that to my gastro doctor so that he was aware because actually he did tell me, and this is quite important, that sometimes, depending on where you're getting your Chinese medicine, because Chinese yeah, medical treatments, um, they're not completely regulated. So a uh, lot of okay. them will put steroids into their medication, apparently. Oh, wow. This is what my doctor told me. Yeah. And that can obviously have some benefits initially if the steroids work for you, but then it also has a detriment on your body and other areas and can interact with other medications. Like I couldn't be on the steroids and take the chemo and so on. So definitely being clear about that. And if you're going to go to alternative medication, if it's going to be Chinese medication or whatever it is, hundred percent, do your research, yeah. look at their accreditations, make sure that they are completely qualified. I, like I said, I found one of the best in the world and I, I paid for it. Yeah. I would be taking it more often probably if, uh, it wasn't so bloody expensive, but, um, at the time it was, it was possible, um, for me financially at the time. And I've been lucky enough in that way, but definitely don't listen to some random account on Instagram telling you to <laughs> order from them and they'll solve all your problems. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it's probably not true. There's a lot around. <laughs> There's so many. There's so many. And when you're desperate and you want that kind of hope and some kind of solution, I can see how people can go for that. But do your research. Just keep kind of doing that research and keep exploring other options and stuff. And just keep working on yourselves from within. That's yeah. always so important. I think that's kind of the theme behind how we've answered every question is to really get to know your own body because it's just such a personal thing in terms of what's going to work for you, what isn't, what you're capable of doing, what you're not. So unfortunately, we can't give you some kind of magic pill or solution in terms of how to live the lives that we've lived because everyone is just so unique. So definitely take the time, learn your body, learn what works for you, learn what doesn't, and then don't give up. Don't take no for an answer. Don't be disappointed when one thing doesn't work, keep pushing and keep striving, whether it takes you a year, it takes 10 years, just keep pushing for what it is that you want in life. Don't give up on that. Amazing, Seth. Anything else you'd like to add, babe? No, I think you've um, summed up amazingly. Hope we've answered your questions okay this week. If you've got any other questions, please fling them over to us on Instagram or at hello at pop to the loo.com. That is our email address, isn't it? It is, yeah. Great. <laughs> <I'm so proud. laughs> and our Instagram account is at pop to the loo podcast. So definitely reach out to us on there. And Cass will respond because she's brilliant like that. <laughs> it's always me, people. <laughs> um, but yeah, really looking forward to catching up with you guys next week. Love you guys. <laughs>